And if you have some goals you want to achieve, try to think about what is the next step that gets me there. So for example, if I want to work on the front lever, maybe it would be good if you're strong enough an attempt or if not, just a pre-exercise for it instead of only doing pull-ups, for example. Yo, Gorillas, welcome to the Athlete Insider Podcast by Gorination. My name is Phil, and today's guest is the two times Austrian champion, an extremely strong athlete in statics, but also in weighted calisthenics. I'm happy to welcome you, founder of the new calisthenics, Achim Gerlus from Austria. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks uh, for making this possible. And uh, for the people who don't know you, let's directly kick off. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, I'm Achim. I'm 24 years old doing calisthenics since almost eight years so i i started like when the sport became more popular in austria i was one of the first people who did it like not who did it but who went to like events and stuff like this so um yeah i me and some friends of mine tried to make the sport bigger in Austria. So I started, I think it's four years ago now, Daniel Calisthenics. So I'm doing tutorials um, or, and also just workout videos online, providing material online and giving workshops. And yeah, before Corona, we also had events. So I have also been in the Austrian street workout head team. So we, so we organized some stuff, events, meetings, whatever. And yeah, that's that's what I do with calisthenics. <laughs> I'm an athlete myself since like also eight years, like I said before. Um, I've been to the world championships similar times, like two times freestyle, two times uh, power and strength. And yeah, so I'm trying to to like manage being an athlete and organize at the same time, <laughs> which is not always easy since I'm also studying. Um, to become a teacher so um, yeah i'm doing many different things in my life but that's that's it's mostly about my calisthenic stuff i do <laughs> yeah and when i like when i have to describe you you're like a really busy person you're like you're doing a lot of things at the same time um you're like really um uh versatile is the the word that pops into my mind but like you're you're extremely you're doing freestyle you're extremely strong in statics uh but you're also doing weighted calisthenics you also uh, competed there uh which is really interesting because you combine so many things in in, in one person um yeah and it's like you're so well networked with uh, you know a lot of athletes in the scene uh, you're like um also uh helping uh, with with the FIBO every year since since 2017 um so so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the interview. And um, yeah, thanks. You, that describes me a little bit. So, I like, yeah. I'm a person who likes to do everything at the same time, and sometimes it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because your day also has only 24 hours. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I can totally relate. Um, let's kick off with the hard facts. People are always uh, asking that uh, how tall are you? I am 173 centimeters tall. Okay, 73. And how, how heavy are you? I think I'm 70 kilograms, maybe 71 at the time. Okay. Yes. Off, off competition uh, uh, <laughs> face. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you already said uh, 24 years old, right? Yes. Perfect. Then, um, yeah, like, uh, let's kick off with your story. How did you get in touch with the sport? Uh, for me, you're one of the, the faces, maybe not even like maybe even the, the face uh, of the Austrian calisthenics scene. And uh, yeah, let's let's kick off. What is your story? How did you get in touch with the sport? I got in touch with the sport 
I think it was 2014 when I went to the gym. So actually I started working out at the gym when I was 15. Before that, I did some kind of calisthenics. I just wanted to get stronger. I was very skinny and I did just some push-ups, crunches and stuff at home. And then I got to the gym. I was allowed to go there when I was 15, trained one year at the gym. And in the gym, when I became 16, two guys, they were training in the gym, but they did calisthenics there. And they asked me if I wanted to join them. And through that, I started to try out some stuff. Like I think the first things I tried was muscle up. I already had some good pull-ups, so I did some ugly muscle up then. <laughs> and handstand against the wall and stuff like this. That's how I started. Even broke down with my first handstand against the wall. I can still remember it. I fell mm-hmm. on my head. And yeah, so I like started from not completely from zero because I was at the gym before. But before I got to the gym, I didn't have any experience with strength sports except for this little home workout stuff I did at home. And yeah, then 2000, I think it was 2016 maybe or 2015, I started to work out in the park more. So this was one of the first calisthenics park we had in Vienna. And from there, I kind of got a little bit into the community. It wasn't very big, the community back then, but there was a first competition. It was the Austrian National Championships. No, sorry, it was even 2014 when I got into the park the first time. But 2014, there was the first Austrian Championship and I just went there. I was not a pro, but I, I had some skills. And I even got seconds. The level wasn't very high. Wow. And so this was my beginning of getting into the sport as an athlete back then. So in 2014, there was already a calisthenics competition in Austria, like a yes. national championship. Yes, it was the first one. Yeah. Wow. It was even with Ed Checo from the Barstars. What? <laughs> yes, yeah. In, in Austria, like... Everybody who doesn't know Austria, it's like it's a quite small country, like uh, <laughs> not completely small, but uh, it always um, impresses me how like this the country is like so far developed for calisthenics uh, in terms of, in in relation to its size. I think. Yeah, I think that we are good in organization, organizing things, but we are not the best in in being the strong-minded athletes because we think very organized you know mm-hmm. so if you train in austria here a lot of people isn't that dangerous and isn't that dangerous mm-hmm. so we are a, like maybe a country who is more about where it's more about thinking <laughs> than training <laughs> so a lot of people organize stuff but it's not like we are the strongest have the strongest athletes in the world <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, still so your goals in the uh, before uh, before the gym what did you do like uh, you didn't do any sport not even uh, like football or mm, i was actually i was ca- i was a cardio guy it's a bad guy wow. i was i was doing um running when i was 13 14 also with 15 still i i was jogging and running i also i also competed there a little bit but not on a professional level so i was more like the guy i trained maybe one or two times a month and then i just got to a cup and ran there i was good at it maybe that's why i'm also still not bad at endurance because it was just like i i I was born with it and before that i tried some other sports as a child karate tennis whatever but nothing never professionally okay and uh, when you started, you started with, um, you said like uh, handstands, uh, muscle ups, like 
Um, did you start with, I don't know, the goal of uh, being becoming good in, in statics or weighted or was it just, uh, what was the goal in the beginning? Uh, I think the goal was to do, if I'm honest, just to do impressive stuff. <laughs> I was not thinking about categories like statics or dynamics yeah. or whatever. Still not good at dynamics, folks. But um, yeah, I was like just trying to be better than I was before. And I think I like the thrill of doing something that seemed hard or impossible, like in muscle up, for example, because I wasn't able to do it. So it seemed very hard to me. And I like the idea of achieving it, I think. And since it was something I had a chance to be good in, I, I went into it. I think it was the combination of personal preference and also just having the thrill of doing something you haven't done before. And did you ever have like um, um, physique goals in the beginning that you thought, yeah, I want to gain, uh, I don't know, three, four kg. I want to double the size of my arms. I don't know. <laughs> yes, if I'm honest, I'm a little bit ashamed for it, but I'm, I, I started calisthenics only for physique goals. Wow. And when I was 15, because the guys I, I mentioned before told me, oh, you will get bigger with calisthenics and whatever. And I already built like 10 kilos of muscles in this in the year of going to the fitness center. So I was disciplined there. And then I gained some more kilos, even with calisthenics. But then the goal just, I just didn't care about gaining more muscles or whatever anymore. So then I switched the goal to the skills, which was just the thing that was fun to me. So it was in the beginning, I... I actually started with thinking, oh, I can gain even more there. But then I'd, I did, I haven't been interested in it. Like maybe a few months later, I, I started to not care about it anymore. Okay. And uh, yeah, let's jump into this time. How did your um, development go? So today, when I see you performing, you have like a really, really, really subtle, uh, solid straddle planche. You have like, um, you're also like uh, progressing well. That's at least my my uh, last update uh, for the full planche. Um, like the statics are like really solid. Um, how did they go in the beginning? People are always interested in how long did it take from the first work, uh, street workout ever, like the first calisthenics training, to the first uh, good straddle planche hold. Yeah, I can tell you the example of the planche and also of the front lever maybe, because yeah. those two were often asked. Um, it was like this. In the beginning, I did not even think about planche because I didn't know it existed. So mm -hmm. I was <laughs> like, was the, the hardest pushing exercise I could imagine was hands and push-ups against the wall. So this is something I did in half reps, maybe at the beginning. So I can tell you when I started calisthenics, my lever in keen pull-ups was maybe 15. I think I did 20, but not keen ones. So let's say 15 keen ones. And from, and maybe the same amount of dips, but I, I even didn't do dips a lot of dips back then. But this was my general lever. So I was better in pulling than in pushing. And I started to train for the front lever just with doing front lever races. I just thought it was a core exercise. I didn't even think about holding the front lever. I just did front lever races because it was a cool exercise I, I saw. And from the beginning on until I held my first, not perfect, but I, until I held my first front lever, I was maybe one year. Yeah, one year of time, like from 10 to 15 pull-ups to a front lever hold. But cleaning it up, cleaning it up took maybe another year because I wasn't even focusing on stuff like shoulder depression or stuff like this. For the straddle planche, I can tell you that it took a bit longer for me. I had 
I started, I think one year after I started with calisthenics or maybe half a year, then I started working on the branch and it was mainly with tact and also with attempts on the floor, but attempt was like starting in a straddle stand, putting the hands on the floor and just trying to put my feet up <laughs> and the same on the parallel bars. And from this point of time, until I got my first straddle planche solid hold, I think it was two to three years. So it took me much longer for this planche. I don't know why. I think I'm not that talented in it, but it's not an excuse. I was just stronger in the pulling movements from the beginning on. And yeah, this was the amount of time it took me. I trained it like maybe three times a week, maybe four times a week, attempts. Like then I switched to attempts for this planche. I started to go into the hands and I'm trying to come down. And that's I, how I got my first solid holds then. Yes. Wow. Still not the best at planche right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like what I always, um, what I was always impressed uh, in because we did uh, quite a few feebles together, 17, 18, 19, I think three feebles we did together. And um What always impressed me is that uh, like you did these shows and uh, I think in the beginning, yeah, I, like you did so many shows and then also workshops and like, um, I don't know, then you also every evening after the FIBO, you, you did your workout. And for me, it was like, what the fuck, like, what is he doing? And um, uh, the like you did three, four shows in a day and the straddle planche was always that clean and that uh, like uh, such a solid f uh, form, even though it was a, f a show, you know, like and the general public doesn't care if you hold it, the, the straddle planche for two seconds or five seconds. But uh, this was always impressive for me that you always kept the, the form and that you always had these uh, this um, mu muscle endurance, like uh, uh, strength endurance um, to be able to hold it again. So, um, yeah maybe you can tell us more about your training today and like um, how is it possible for you to combine the, the endurance parts, the strength part with, with aesthetics? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Like you mentioned before, I think it's just something if I'm honest with, since I came from running and I, I always had an endurance mindset, maybe when I started calisthenics, I even had some very intense workouts in the beginning. Um, maybe that was a reason why I always have been good at showing a lot of elements, like a long combos, for example, or a lot of shows. So I think this was also the reason I won the championships in Austria. Maybe not because I had the single best move, but because I was able to show a lot of moves in the short amount of time. So a higher variation of moves. And this endurance, I, I actually can tell you And method to get it or whatever, but I think it was the, it's because of the reason I always trained um, statics, but also basics, and I always also trained basics with the mindset of doing an endurance workout. So not every day, but I still do it sometimes like this. For example, I train planche and front lever, and when I have a short amount of time, I do it in an intense in an intensive workout. It's not the best for gaining the perfect form or the longest holds, but for the endurance. Sometimes it's good to have it. And right now, I actually don't know it. I would have to try right now since there are no shows and no competitions. <laughs> I also didn't do that many uh, combos because I was working more on silly moves right now. But I think that my endurance at the, this point of time is a little bit worse. But if I would start to train longer combos again, it would come very quickly. 
So I would say endurance is the thing that um, comes fastest and also can go away fast, but you can gain it back fast. So I, I also trained for the power and strength championship, um, which was only about endurance in basics, like pull-ups, dips, whatever. And at this point of time, I also was able to do my strong aesthetics combos. So it was very interesting because I trained a lot of reps and endurance. And I think this also always helped me for my uh, combos and aesthetics. So I think it's because I always combined basics with aesthetics. Okay. So um, if we jump into a peak phase, like uh, really a phase where you were at the top uh, of your level, um, how did you train at these times? How did you manage to, um, yeah, because like you, you share some, some clips of really impressive weighted numbers uh, on your Instagram, um, but also the statics <clears throat> strength, how does a, like a week um, look like where you combine The, the weighted or let's also call it endurance workout if you do some basic sets um, with high numbers and the statics. Yeah, how a week of training looks like, do you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually I'm training very similar at the point of time in some moves I'm stronger than ever before right now in some not. So you, it's hard to always keep the lever at everything, you know. But my training generally looked and still looks like this. I train upper body strength or calisthenic specific training four to five times a week. So I have four times where I like do it with a routine or like I have the routine on it's the days I just train on, you know, and a fifth day is optional. However, I feel, and the sixth day is only for the legs. So that's how I train right now. And it's also kind of the mode I trained before I had the second leg day back then but i i like tried to now have a more intense leg day once a week and the second day of the week where i or to do some legs but not only but whatever i how my training generally looks like is that i start off with statics or with hard skills like maybe one pull-ups or deep hands and push-ups whatever it depends on the day and i always try to go from the hardest movements to the easiest ones so in the very beginning, I start off with maybe not even with strength statics, but with balance, like maybe handstand works or whatever. And then I come, I come to training statics. On the most days, I train statics not with combos, but with hordes, just single hordes or further pull-up reps or whatever. And on some days, I train them in combos. So if I would be Preparing for a competition, I would do the same, but just with combos. So I would have a lot more statics in one set if I did a combo with it. And I would repeat that until I would say that I was fatigued. So I, it's mostly one hour, two hour, whatever. Um, I had, have longer rest times in this part of the training. And this is my statics training. Depending on the phase I'm in, so if I would prepare for a competition, I would not be going to tacked planche holds or just drag flag max, max reps or whatever. But if I'm in the phase where I just try to build up, I do it. And in the end, after I did the statics work or the strength skills work, I'm going to basics. Right now, it's a little bit less weighted, only once a week, but I also had it twice a week. And on the other days where I'm not doing weighted basics in the end, I'm doing normal basics, sometimes with endurance, 
like with just without uh, break times. Sometimes not. It's a little bit spontaneous actually, so I'm not having it planned all the time, everything, but I have a concept in my mind that I'm following. And the concept is that I do four times a week. First skills, on some days, days I try to do more straight arm skills like front lever planche, some days more bent arm skills like a festo, one arm pull up, handstand push up, one leg day. And in the end of my upper body trainings, the basics or weighted basics. So that's it. <laughs> cool. Do you feel um, benefits from the weighted um, workout for your aesthetics? It's a good question because I don't know the answer. I, I can't tell the difference because I always trained uh, weighted. So I don't know how it would be if I haven't trained it. I feel like the general strength and also endurance if I do uh, reps with weighted is good. So the strength I got from is, it is good. But it's not that easy to say because if you do a lot of weighted calisthenics, it will also influence the energy you have in your next workout on the statics. So, for example, if I do um, max reps, weighted pull-ups on Monday, and I try to do front lever on Tuesday or on Wednesday, it can influence my power. So I would say it's a balance. That's why right now I'm experimenting with only training weighted once a week and not twice a week. And I'm still making progress, at least at the weighted pull-ups. Uh, that's where I got some new personal records right now. Um, because I have a lot of work for one and pull-up or front lever, it still helps me do, do gain strength there in, this, in the weighted. But I would maybe describe it like this. You can like combine statics with weighted and it can help. But if, this, if the weighted stuff is your first preference, it might come that it influences your static work negatively so the other way around it's okay if you do your statics and then if you feel good you do your weighted stuff it's okay but if you max out your weighted stuff and then try to go to statics it's probably a little bit harder in this way so i would say it helps it can help but it can also be too much and it can also influence your power you get in your statics because you only have a certain amount of energy every week <laughs> true definitely makes sense um general advice general opinion on basics would you recommend to do basics to everyone um may it be a statics athlete may it be a freestyle like dynamics athlete yes generally i would say yes i would also say uh the The further you get in calisthenics, the less basics you have to do, but it can still be beneficial to do it. So if you're a beginner or if you just started with calisthenics or if you maybe one or two years into it, I would recommend to put a lot of effort into basics. Like for a beginner, I would say probably 70 or 80% of their training time should go into basics. They can maybe try some skills, but the basics will be the uh, most, imp most important part. So if someone is an intermediate, he can maybe work around 50% of the training time with basics. And if you're advanced, you can even go back to 30 or 20%. But it's always important to have exercises in your training, in my opinion, at least in some phases, not in every week, but in general, to have exercises in your training where you're, you are able to do just more than one second hold or more than just one rep. But for example, if you're very advanced and you can do 10 front lever pull-ups, it's also a basic for you. So you 
will not have to choose another exercise, another pulling exercise where you get your reps in because you'll get your reps in or your second hold, hold times in with the skills. So it depends on the lever. But I think there is also not a very strict border between skills and basics because as pull-up can also be a skill for someone who is learning the first pull-up, just like a front lever is a skill for someone who learns the first front lever. So I would say like, it's important to have exercises in your training where you have longer hold times to get some volume in, not always, but in, at least in months where you try to go for volume work. Or if you don't uh, have a periodization just to generally have it in, but it doesn't always have to be basics. If you're strong enough, you can choose advanced exercises as basic work as well. Interesting. Um, you also already talked about uh, periodization um, and um, also about volume, like all these uh, things that I hear mm -hmm. are mostly in the, in the coaching uh, side, mm -hmm. side of calisthenics. Um, Do you have like a, uh, let's call it scientific approach or like a really structured approach to your uh, training? Mm, a little bit. A scientific approach can actually re ruin your fun and even your quality of the workouts. If you're trying to figure everything out, what's the perfect way, whatever. There are so many factors we don't know about calisthenics. The first, it's a new sport. The second is everyone is different, very different in this sport. Like the, the physical measurements of everybody and whatever, it's a lot of factors that you cannot scientifically um, approach or know, like really know for sure. So I try to have some things in my mind. For example, the periodization is a principle that is used in uh, strength for sports like powerlifting, but it's also something that comes to me automatically. So I try to combine whatever I feel like doing with the things I know in theory. And even before I got to know about periodization, or I heard something from it, I did it initially because I felt like it's like maybe I trained two months of only very hard holds and exercises where I was um, like bad at or just attempts, whatever. It was a little bit too much for my tendons, maybe also for my nervous system. And my body automatically gave me the feeling of switching to exercises that are a little bit easier for me. But that's actually periodization where you say I have maybe one month of training very hard exercises or two months, whatever, then one or two months with training ex intermediate exercises or like the same exercises, but with longer hold times and harder uh, progressions, uh, easier progressions, sorry. And maybe then one month with even more volume. That's periodization to try to just switch the um, intensity in different months or different phases of your training. So you can approach it scientifically or you can approach it however you like to feel it, but I would just recommend to listen to your body. For example, in some points of training, I feel like my tendons of the tendons of my wrist, I don't have a very thick wrist. So sometimes I feel like the tendons of my wrist, it's a little bit too much for them on those weeks or months. I will not pull a lot of Hephaestos. I will more do more Hephaesto rows or whatever for still being strong there. And then at some point of time, I just feel like doing Hephaestos and then I go for it. And it's interesting. It's mostly automatically, like I would say, an automatic periodization. Automatic periodization. Yeah. True. Like if you listen to your body, it, it automatically uh, like gives you a direction and uh, yeah, basically advice. 
but you also work together with uh, Dennis, like uh, if I uh, have it yes. uh, uh, correctly in mind uh, as, a, as a coach or like, um, can you explain more how um, an advanced athlete uh, like you, um, how, why does it still make sense to have a coach and to have somebody yeah. who, who guides you? He's not coaching me at the moment, at least not officially. Like I was, he officially coached me on a regular basis for half a year. It's some time ago. I decided to right now be my, like not my own coach, but I'm not being into a strict coaching program uh, with him, but I'm still in contact with him since he's also a personal friend of mine. So what he's very good at, or what I can say from the outside, he's very good at is, um, is teaching athletes with the, with a like scientific approach or also with an approach that is more about planning very strictly the workouts. And he's bringing a lot of athletes that are working with him on a very good level with that. My personal opinion about it is that there are some people who like to work this way and who also progress this way. But for example, if you're a fun guy who just wants to go to the park and do whatever he feels like doing. I'm not saying that you should do stuff with bad form or whatever, but a guy who just is more about like, let's say having a more emotional approach. Yeah. This might not be the best way for you because it might get on your nerves that you will have to write down every set and every set hold and whatever. I also don't like it, do it all the time. So I can say there are very, very good athletes with a very emotional approach on training. They just do whatever they feel like doing and they get very good at it because their body tells them what to do and they listen to it. And then there are also some athletes who have more scientific approach. I personally like to combine both, but if I would, if I would be allowed to only choose one, I would choose the emotional. Even though I'm a trainer and even though I like to think a lot about what's the best way to work out and to make my thoughts about it. It can somehow also put the fun away of it because you try to be, make everything perfect. But for example, sometimes maybe you need to do everything perfect. You just need to put your headphones in and do what you like doing. And you will be even stronger than if you think about everything perfectly because you automatically do what you should be doing. But yeah, this is my thoughts on this topic. It's, it's, Like, I think there are different opinions in it and it's not wrong or right. I think it's just a personal thing. Definitely. So the people that uh, are coming for coaching to you, uh, what, what, uh, what kind of people are, are those? I would say they, the most of them like a mixture. Um, I'm, I'm writing programs for them. So I like this approach of having a schedule and whatever especially if you are not an athlete who can afford to only work out and do nothing else, you will probably need some kind of rhythm. So you even work out and you just have a plan about what you would be doing. But I like to um, combine a scientific approach or a, let's, let's say a very, um, let's say a, a strict approach or, or a planned approach on training. I like to combine it with some, with let's say this emotional approach where some people just feel like they want to do. So the, the, they feel like doing what they, whatever they want to do. And people who come to me, I like to write programs for them, but in those programs, I also have some open space. So I maybe tell them on this day, you can do this if you feel like doing it, but if you not feel like doing it, don't do it. So I like to combine both of it. And the people who come to me are of course people who like 
let's say, a professional approach because otherwise they would not have a coach. Uh, but they still, there are not like people who who want to, or the most of them are not people who want to compete in the new new food near future or whatever. Um, most of them just like to do it for fun. So I combine, I try to combine both approaches. <laughs> Okay, so again, you combine everything, uh, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it's yes. it's part of your uh, personality, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. Some some people hate me, like, not hate me for it, but I know that there might be some coaches out there who talk, maybe behind my back or whatever. I don't know it because it's behind my back. But I think some people might think this guy is crazy. Why does he do this? But I think that if that if you if you're only into the scientific approach, you will also lose some of the realities in the in the practice. That's why I try to always think about it. So when I write a program, I use the scientific approach, but I still leave some space open for uh, for emotional things. Like if you feel like doing handstand on that day, just do it. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely know that from conversations with uh, like competitive athletes who um, have like a really crazy schedule and who are like uh, being in the gym at uh, midnight and doing their workout because they have to do it and uh, they are not allowed to go at home before they end the workout, the whole workout that's in their head. And um, that's how they, um, where they need a lot of willpower to do this. And um, I think only a few people are able to do this over years and years and years. And like, for example, you're in, in calisthenics since uh, 2014. So like uh, around about eight years now, um, which is, or seven years, which is, um, yeah, like, um, I think there are really few people who are able to do this and who have the the mindset and the willpower to push through this. And uh, yeah, I can definitely, I always also see this as kind of periodization where you have like one year of really extreme preparation for a competition. You do like everything that it takes, but then the next two years or next one year, um, yeah, you just, uh, you follow your heart a little bit yes. more. You listen to your body more. Yes, so that's why I'm, what I'm trying to do, and that's what I'm also trying to do with my with my clients. Yes, yeah. that's a good cool. summary. Um, leg workout. I'm always impressed when I uh, see your Instagram clips where you do some uh, heavy, heavy squats. Um, and uh, like I, when I see your shows, your static shows, I wouldn't expect that uh, at all. So. Um, how does it influence your static skills? Do you feel it when you do your planches, your front lever? Uh, is it maybe even uh, yeah uh, productive? Does it does it support uh, the front lever with the lower back or whatever? What 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 what's the thought behind it? Um, the thought behind it is I do it because I like to do it, but it's not good for my statics. <laughs> so I can feel. One, it's interesting. I don't know why. It's probably because of the lever and because of the angle. But the the front lever pull-ups are the exercises exercise where I feel the most my leg workout the most. So if when I got heavier because of training more legs, the front lever pull-up was the number one exercise that got harder for me. Um, so right now I I'm at 70 kilograms. When I was like 63 kilograms, I think I had my best front lever pull-ups better than right now, sadly, but that's it. Um, and since I gained some of the kilos I gained also on my legs and on my butt, it got harder and it makes it harder. It's really like this, you you have to say it, it's like this, it's a reality. It makes your statics harder to train legs. Try to put a 
maybe let's say 1.5 kilogram plate or a 2.5 kilogram plate on your knees while you do a front lever. You will feel that it's really harder and it's not much. If you, if you train squats for a long uh, amount of time, it might be that you will even gain five kilograms on your legs. And if you try to do a front lever with five kilograms on your knees or maybe even just on your fights, you will feel that it makes a bit big difference. Um, so you cannot lie about it. It makes, it makes statics harder. And I know that I am also making it harder for myself because I'm training legs. I still like to do it, but I also give my, my skills a bigger, let, let's say a bigger worth because I can, I can, if I can hold a front lever with doing 100 kilogram squats for reps, it's harder than being able to do a front lever without training legs at all. And that's why I know that like maybe from the outside, it looks like I have worse statics or whatever, or it's, it makes my statics harder. But for myself, I, I, it, it still has a worth because I know that it's harder because I do it. So whatever you want to, uh, to call it, there are a lot of athletes, by the way, who also have strong statics and also strong yaks. For example, like Denton or from England, or for example, Misha from Germany, um, so it's possible, but yeah, it's, it makes it harder. <laughs> the, the lower back is just a very small factor that gets stronger, but it's not like it will help you very, very much. <laughs> okay. And yeah, that's mainly, I would say, this is one thing, actually, maybe we can uh, talk a little bit about it, that a lot of athletes and people who train don't understand is the biomechanics of calisthenics. So I see even a lot of very strong guys who don't think about it, but it's very logical. It's just like if you... Let's go for the front lever. If you do a front lever, the, the center of your weight might be around your belly. So if you draw a line from your hands downwards, it might face your belly or your hip. So that's the center of your gravity there. And everything that's below this center of gravity will make the lever harder. So your shoulders and your back will have to be stronger to hold the weight. And uh, yeah, if you, if you have have your legs you will actually just have to have more strength in your shoulders to be able to hold the lever if you have like heavier legs you will have to lean forward more in the full planche for example and this it's it's harder to hold it then so it's just the biomechanical factor of it does weight on the calves make the uh, front lever uh, a lot harder than weight on the butt for example because it's uh, closer to the to this line Yes, if you if you think about it like this, it will be like it because, like you said, it's closer to the line. Uh, it will be like this, but I would say it's around the same because if you start maybe squatting, the weight you will gain on your butt will be much more the weight than the weight on your calves. Your calf is a smaller muscle, so the percentual uh, gaining will be this maybe the same. But if you gain fifty percent more on your butt, it will be much more weight than if you gain fifty more. 50% on your calves. That's why it maybe sums up for it. I actually don't have the exact measurements. We had it in university. It was interesting. A guy measured the percentual weight of every muscle in comparison to the whole body weight. But the calf is not a muscle that has a very high weight in comparison to your body weight. But yes, it's much harder to put one kilogram on your calf than you put one kilogram on your butt or on your hip while doing mm -hmm. a front lever. You can try it out. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, and what is the way, or is there a way if we like approach this topic from a health perspective and uh, it's healthy to work on, on your legs? Um, 
what way is there to have like um let's say skinny but strong legs um yes you can try to do that it's even something i tr kind of try to it's not possible to have very 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 skinny but still strong legs <clears throat> strength is also like you you need some muscle mass for strength but um you can try to generally um work on more let's say um coordinative exercises for the legs so for example if you do maybe jumps or maybe more balancing work on your legs you can still have an intense leg workout but which is more about coordination than about gaining muscle mass but you cannot go around gaining mass on your legs if you work on them so for example if you look at the physique of a sprinter or the physique of a marathon runner the marathon runner will have much smaller legs but also not like they will be strong at being good at endurance but they will not be strong at doing a heavy squat so what you could do is having an endurance approach for your legs so you will train the muscle fibers that are strong at endurance more those muscle fibers are not as as heavy and as big as the muscle fibers who are working on maximum strength. So in this way, you could train legs without gaining a lot of mass there. But if you want to be strong, if you want to do a, maybe a 100 kilogram squat or a 150 kilogram squat or whatever, you will have to gain at least some mass in your legs. And you will not, like the only thing you could say is I'm not eating anything so I can't gain mass. <laughs> But this will also influence your upper body mass and it will also probably be not good. So what you could try to do, like I, I also heard it, it's not working, but it's a joke. You can try to squats and not eat on the day you squats. And if you work on your upper body, you eat a lot, <laughs> but your body is not working like that. So you cannot, uh, like you, your upper body and your legs are, are one part of your body and you cannot try to gain mass in your upper body and doing strength work for the legs and trying to not gain mass there. It's, it's just hard. But you can train like maybe more endurance or more coordination. Then you will be able to have leg workouts without adding a lot of mass there, probably. Is there a, a reps number that uh, somebody can aim for to um, train the endurance part? Is it everything above 15 or 20 or what's, what's the number? Yeah, it depends. Like... I would say it's um, it's like scientifically, you could say, like you said, maybe 15 to 20 or 12 to 20. There is not the strict border. Of course, you always train some part of the other fibers as well. Um, but of course, the higher the reps, the less you it will it will the more it will be do for endurance, and the less it will be for the maximum strength. But yes, for example, uh, for the squats, you could say if you do much more reps with with uh, less weight, you will not maybe not gain that, that much mass, but still it's a strength exercise. So maybe if you go for a long run, that's really something that's, that might not influence your mass very, very much, but you can still gain some calves from that. So it's not like it doesn't do anything. So I can understand if people say I skipped working on my legs completely or I just do mobility work on my legs. It's like, if you try to stay healthy, I would, at least recommend to do some mobility work on your legs. If you're not working physically and sitting all the day, like most people are today, with if they are not training, uh, then I would recommend to still 
do some work for your lower body just for having hip mobility and whatever. Um, but you can skip the strength part, of course. For your health approach, it's good to have some basic strength, but you don't need to be able to squat 100 kilograms or 150 kilograms if you want to stay healthy. It's also okay to just have a little bit less intensity there. Cool. Thanks for the insights. That's uh, really interesting, um, in my opinion. Like the mm, the like because you're not. I wouldn't. It's not like a conversation with a um, <clears throat> with a statics athlete, let's say, who never squatted and who is like completely against squatting. Um, but mm -hmm. it's really uh, like that. I the, interview somebody who is. Um, kind of neutral like kind of a, a neutral perspective i would say and that's that's rare in the calisthenics you, you have the street lifters who are like what you don't train legs you're not a you're not an athlete you're, you have to be a complete athlete and then there are the statics athletes who don't work on the legs at all yeah i think it's just i think it's stupid to have an approach where you will where you say this is what it needs to be this is what it needs to take so if i'm honest some people might not like me for saying that But it's sometimes also an ego problem I see. In I won't call any names, and I also don't have names in my mind. But I think it's a general, generally something that can happen if you oh, if you define yourself by your skills in this sport, then you will start being like oh, if you don't do it exactly like I do, then you you're not as good as I am. And if mm -hmm. you don't work everything like this, for example, if you don't work statics and basics and legs, you're not a real athlete. But I think it's stupid to have a concept in mind what you have to be to be a real athlete, but because it's just a concept, it's not reality. So I would recommend to everyone to just work on the things that they like doing. And if it's squatting, then do it. And if it's not, then don't do it. Um, because this comparison to each other takes the fun away, takes the motivation away. I think there is no point at all in doing that. I would just recommend everyone to do what they feel like doing, of course, to stay healthy. But if you're already into calisthenics, there is a much, much higher um, chance that you are healthy because you're actually doing something with your body because most people don't even do anything for their body. So if, if you, even if you do ugly push-ups, and that's it, it's still better than doing nothing. And um, that's why I think that, it's, that it doesn't make sense to compare yourself to others all the time or to other training like principles or whatever. Of course, you can try to get the best out of everything for yourself, but I would not recommend you to compare yourself with, with everyone. Sure. And there are so many different goals, so many uh, different uh, motives and motivations behind the people that you see on social media, um, why they train and what are their goals. And you should never uh, judge somebody just because he's skipping legs. But uh, maybe it's his goal to set up some some static records. And like, why should somebody who is who wants to uh, do a statics world record, why should he be able to squat 150 kg at the same time? Like, it, yes. it doesn't make yes. sense. Yeah, it's true. So... Yeah, records or like really focus always needs um, to say no to other things. Um, and yes. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm actually happy to not be only into calisthenics and into coaching. It's part of my life, of course, but I'm also like a normal guy. I'm even uh, working for a local church and doing some other stuff. And sometimes when I think about those calisthenics problem and then I look into the real world, let's say outside the calisthenics scene, It looks stupid. What are those guys arguing about? They, they could be thankful for having a nice sport, 
But instead of being thankful for just being able to do something, they argue about what's best. And it's an unnecessary problem that we make for ourselves, I think. And I think it, it hinders and it like really slows down the growth of the sport. Um, if the, the sport itself doesn't uh, uh, stick together, then it's, it's harder to, to grow because uh, nobody wants to be part of a hating community or something. <laughs> yeah, um, but well, it's a general human problem. It's not a yeah. calisthenic problem. True. Actually, I think the calisthenic scene is one of the friendliest sports True. since definitely. I experienced. So definitely. Nothing against the calisthenic scene. I really like it. <laughs> True. That's that's definitely true. Um, yeah, I'm just like always scared that uh, the 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 many directions that are in the sport with freestyle slash uh, dynamics, with statics, with uh, street lifting, with endurance, that it's too much to stick together. You know, like um, yeah, but yes, I understand. But you're trying yourself to be a. I think like Onation is a brand that tries to support everything. Yeah, I also think that it's good to not be only about one thing. True. That's it. So we're a little bit the Achim Gölles of the, the Kalisthenics scene. We do everything. We... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we also uh, received a lot of questions about your front lever. Like, um, what are the, the mistakes that you see people doing in their front lever training? Uh, what is the, your general advice for, for front lever training? Maybe um, the most useful, like people are always interested in something practical. So the most useful um, uh, progression for you or um, I don't know, just your experience mm -hmm. um, and the mistakes that you see for front lever training. Yes. Yes, very interesting question because actually I have a front lever tutorial and also got watched a lot of times, but some things in there I would maybe say differently right now and I can do it right now um, because I think that there is like one of the biggest problems not only in front lever but in skill training in general is not to train specific, specific enough. So if you are just working on tucked front lever, it's good for your shoulders, maybe, but you will not get used to being in the same angle than if you are in the full front lever. So your, your let's say your hip and your hip flexors and your abs will not be contracted or not at least not very much during um, the tucked one. And in the full one, it will be completely. So if you, for example, only work on tucked and never go to a progression where your hip is opened, you will not get this part of the movement. Another, so this is one mistake. I see people not including exercises where their hip is open. So for example, front lever races or front lever negatives, full front lever negatives on the rings or even half lay variations are um, movements where your hip is open. So I would recommend to try to, at least at a certain level, put some of those variations into your training. Um, Yeah, another problem might be um, only working on the core and never working on the shoulders because this is also like, it's a core part and it's a shoulders and back part in the front lever. And I think you will have to combine both of them. Um, and one of the main, main mistakes is of course to only work on progressions with bad form. It won't strengthen the muscle groups you actually need. So just going for the hardest, hardest progression without being able to do it with any good form It's also not the best thing to do it. But I think there is not like just one mistake people do. It's just a combination of everything. But try to keep in mind to be specific. And maybe one last example I can give you. Imagine a guy doing a tucked front lever 
and then strengthening his legs and body, going into a full front lever. Imagine a guy being able to do it, and you will look at him from the side. While he straightens his legs, the angle of his, uh, of his arms in comparison to his upper body will be a little bit smaller. So his shoulders will go backwards while his, while his legs go forwards because of the principle we talked about before of the center of gravity. So he will be in a different shoulder position. So you cannot also not only just go into training tucked front lever for one minute and expecting to be automatically able to do a very good front lever because it's a different angle. So that's just an example I can give. It's why it's important to train specifically and to try to also progress. Yeah. So right now, if I could only choose one exercise, it would maybe even be negatives on the rings for, for getting there step by step. But of course, it's good to have a variation. Cool. Um, that's uh, good. Um, you already said how long it took you for the first, first front lever. I think it was one year after uh, like the, the first uh, uh, workout. Um, yes. Yeah. I think we're um, mostly done with the, with the workout park uh, part, <laughs> workout park, uh, workout part. Um, how does your day look like right now? Um, as you said, you're like doing a lot of things uh, right now. So maybe you want to share a little bit uh, your, your day right now. How does it mm -hmm. look like? Yeah, a typical day of Achim in Corona looks like that I'm getting enough sleep, which is nice, um, because my university is online and right now also not in the mornings, but more in the afternoon. So I get enough sleep right now, which is good. Sometimes maybe a little bit too much, if I'm honest. And yeah, I get up in the morning. However, I, I just try to sleep seven to eight hours If possible, mostly it's actually eight, sometimes even nine if I'm exhausted from working out or doing a lot of things. And since it's a lockdown, my, I'm, I'm going to university. As I said before, I'm studying to become a teacher at religion, sports, and biology. Those, so those are the subject I'm studying. And I don't have a very typical day because it's a mixture of a lot of different things, mostly. But mostly I try to do some stuff Outside in the morning, so since it's a lockdown and I'm staying at home a lot of time and I really love nature, I often go outside in the morning, not every day, but often. Um, actually, I'm doing like, let's say, an inspirational prayer part in the morning. I, I like to do it for myself. I'm reading the Bible or whatever. That's what I do in the morning. Mostly it's reading the Bible, praying or whatever, meditating sometimes, just being a little bit quiet not starting into the day with, with a very big rush. Um, yeah, they like to do it outside. And often I even combine it with, with organizatorically stuff that I can do from my phone, sometimes even with the laptop outside. Not always, but sometimes. So sometimes you could catch me sitting on the forest, organizing my emails just because I like to be outside. Not every day, but sometimes. And then I might get home have some university work to do there. For example, um, having the lecture or having to write an essay or whatever, it's very different. Then I might have one or two hours in between. It's not planned where I have to do some organ organizing stuff. So um, since I'm not only working as a coach, as I said before, I'm also working um, like it's not 
not not very officially, but sometimes it's officially, sometimes not. Planning events for the church. I'm leading a youth group there. So sometimes I'm doing some organizing stuff in between. I'm having a personal training in between. And yeah, it's a, it's a mix, mix of a lot of things. I don't have a very typical day. But I mostly work out on the evenings or afternoons of these days. And yes, in the evening, I like to meet some friends if I haven't met them while working out anyways. And to be with my wife at home. So yeah, it's, it's very, it's, I don't have a very typical day if I'm honest. So it, <laughs> but mostly my day is a mixture of at least two or three different things. So I'm not having... Sometimes I try to block it. I try to just do one university day and then one day just for calisthenic stuff or whatever. But it's not always like this. Right now, uh, at this point of time in my life, I'm also making a lot of thoughts about the future. So me and my wife also think a lot about stuff like global poverty and um, also global aid and whatever. So um, we have some connections to African countries and friends in Africa who are working there and yeah maybe this will also be part of my future life doing something for this i am not seeing myself only as calisthenics person i like the sport because it's something that gets people together but in general i'm yeah not only focusing on this part of my life so you might i don't know it i don't want to promise anything but you might see me living in africa one day working for something else and still working out on some bar there, probably, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but I'm not knowing it right now. It's just something we are making thoughts about. Uh, yeah, it's just because we feel like we are very blessed with our lives in Austria. We have a lot of, like, we are rich people. Everyone who lives in Austria or Germany is rich in comparison to the world. And that's why we think about maybe doing doing something for uh, where people don't have it and helping development, helping developing like stuff there but it's not nothing that's that's fixed yet it's just something i'm making thoughts about and so that's also i also have some projects for example a project in uganda i'm working on with a friend and also some parts of my time are are spent for stuff like this so as i said before a lot of different stuff <laughs> well but thanks for sharing sounds uh, really really interesting and uh, definitely a respect for that and um yeah definitely really interesting and good luck for that so um Thanks. something that uh, i would be interested in how does your food look like in a day do you take um care like um for healthy food is it do you meal mm -hmm. prep uh, what do you eat yes um one like I, i talked about the topic right now it's one thing i made some more thoughts about in the last time is like biological food and also buying more local food so I had a food approach of just buying whatever has the most protein or whatever uh, is the best for gaining mass. This was my food approach some years ago, but then I made some more thoughts about the production of the meat, for example, I was eating and the production of the milk products and of the plants, everything I was eating, where does it come from? Is it a good, um, like, is it a good relationship to the one who is, is producing it and whatever? um like are, are the workers in good circumstances so right now i'm combining like trying to combine thinking about um having quality food best from local like from the locals um 
how do we, how do you call it the local producers yeah, yeah and farmers, not whatever. Yeah. yeah not buying not buying meat from Argentina or whatever and trying to have a like biologically um, food if I can get it so yeah my my nutrition is mostly vegetarian I'm not a strict vegetarian to be honest so if I'm invited for example I will not say no to meat but I don't cook meat or buy meat on my own. Um, same goes um, with milk, but with that, I'm not that strict. So I'm normally drinking biological milk. I'm just not trying to drink sh some trash kind of milk. <laughs> and uh, yogurt as well, it's produced from milk. So it's the same. Um, so I'm not a vegan, but I'm, I'm making a lot of thoughts about or try to make more thoughts about where my food comes from. I'm not a professional and I'm not perfect when I'm honest with it. So I still have some things I buy where I'm thinking, where does it come from? Whatever. But with that, I try to eat still enough, eating it healthy. My typical day, I can tell it to you, is maybe some oats uh, with some, maybe you know it, we have, I'm happy about that. We have it in um, biologically, it's skur, the yogurts, maybe you know it. It has a lot of protein. So um, in Austrian, we say Topfmore or in German Quark. Um, it's something like this. And I eat it together with some oats and some fruits. Maybe I will have some eggs with some bread as a snack in between. And maybe I will have a second main meal uh, of the day. Maybe it would be some noodles with vegetables or whatever. And I will have some snacks, like maybe nuts in between and eating, of course, um, fruits or vegetables also in between. So I don't have a strict eating rhythm or schedule, but I'm trying to eat healthy. And I'm also trying to think about where the food I'm buying is coming from, which I didn't do before, but it's a challenge for me, to be honest. So sometimes you buy something in the store and then you think about where does this meat come from? Maybe this cow was one of a million cows who was slaughtered in bad conditions and I don't want to buy it if I think about it, but it's something you will have to start doing. So I'm trying to think about more, to think more about it at the moment, but no, I'm not a pro at it. So yeah, that's what I eat. <laughs> trying to have healthy stuff uh, and if possible, also local stuff. Cool. Great. Um, yeah, the interview is already uh, over an hour, so we um, come to an end slowly. Um, maybe to sum up all the um, yeah, training advice, workout insights that you shared with us, um, maybe you want to sum up um, what are the main three things that um, if people improved um, these things in their workouts, um, they would get much better results, much uh, healthier results, whatever. Mm -hmm. One thing I would recommend to the people I know, I don't know if it's an international problem or just an Austrian and German problem, is to, to actually try to work out and to have a rhythm, like trying to get, try to get some kind of plan you want to follow. It doesn't have to be perfect, but, but just some structure. Because as I said before, if you're not a professional athlete, you might even struggle to work out at all. So it's, it's good to start with having like at least some kind of rhythm with it. So it doesn't have to be strict all the time and you don't have to worry if you skip a training for once, but try to at least have some kind of rhythm you want to follow. It will help you to stay into it. This is the first thing. 
Um, the second thing I would say, if you want to achieve some exercises, actually go for it. I see a lot of people who are just doing basics, which is good and very healthy. But if you want to achieve a skill, you will also have to start working on it specifically. So try to choose, try to think about what can get me where I want to get. So not only what can I do right now, some people just work out for the sake of it and that's good. But if you have some goals to progress, some people don't have these goals, they just want to work out to stay healthy, which is good. But if you have some goals you want to achieve, try to think about what is the next step that gets me there. So for example, if I want to work on the front lever, maybe it would be good to do two, if you're strong enough, an attempt, or if not, just a pre-exercise for it, instead of only doing pull-ups, for example. Yes, and the third, third thing would be try to have fun <laughs> when working out, uh, because um, I feel like we have so many informations about calisthenics out there, it gets even more, and it's good. You have Some people say you have to do this, and then you have to do this, and then you have to do this, and then you have to do this. Um, but if it's not fun to you, and if it's not something that gives positive energy into your life, it will probably not be something that you will keep doing. And even if it will not be something that gives you a lot of positive energy. So I would recommend you to try to have fun when you work out. So work out with, with partners. If you, if it's better for you, try to go outside something for me, it's very important in those times of the lockdown to work out outside and not only staying at home all the time. So try to meet people, maybe try to do something that's good for you with, with the sport. Wow. Well, that's cool. Thanks a lot for all these insights. We always have some quick questions, quick answers at the end of the, each interview. So um, yeah, pizza or burger? Um, burger. Burger. Um, are you Sorry? <laughs> vegan if possible. <laughs> like they are like vegan burgers, but it's okay. True. Um, are you a dog or a cat person? Dog person. Uh, do you have a favorite location for holidays? Just nature spots, but not one specific. <laughs> um, yeah, what are the athletes that inspire you? Athletes that inspire me? I would say... A lot of different ones, so I don't have one, <laughs> but I try to try to take the best out of each one I have. One one I can add, tell is, for example, Victor Kamenov, a friend of mine. Cool. Um, do you have a favorite book? Yes, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I expected that. Uh, do you have a favorite movie? Um. Maybe the Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you if you know the movie. Yeah. But I, I liked it as a child very much, and I still like it very much. Even the story that's behind it, I like it a lot. Cool. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite skill? Like, what is your favorite skill? Mm, I would say maybe one finger front lever. If I, yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah the best calisthenics event you've ever been at oh wow that's hard that's hard there are so many good ones but i think the first FIBO was a very nice experience <laughs> so 2017 the first FIBO i have been to but i don't know if it's there are a lot of good ones <laughs> 
Um, so shout out to Barsflex and to World of Bar Heroes for for the great uh, Fibos, uh, where we also get to know each other. Uh, by this, by the way, um, yeah. And then the last question, not a qu quick, uh, not a quick answer, but uh, yeah, what's your message to the Calisthenics community? What do you want to say? Tell the the listeners. I would say, um, as I said before, as well, try to make the best of the, out of the sport. Try to not compare yourself to each other, but try to help yourself each other and try to try to take the positive parts out of this sport for your life true true words um how can people get in touch with you where do they find you what links can they expect in the bio uh, in the in the description of this video yeah um first of course my youtube it's a german channel but there are subtitles for some videos there or for some tutorials um it's daniel calisthenics my homepage it's for um, for if you want to have a coaching with me or whatever, it, there's my homepage, danielcaristhenics.com. And of course, also my Instagram, Achim Goeles. Great. Um, yeah, then we're coming to an end. Achim, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate uh, I think it was a really practical episode. That's uh, what I always really enjoy. If it's uh, really something where you listen and you can take a lot of things for your own workout. Um, so thanks a lot for sharing these insights and uh, yeah, um, showing giving giving us your experience in in the sport your long experience so um yeah before you can end the episode and uh, i want to say thank you to everyone listening to this till the end it's been a long interview i always appreciate it extremely if somebody is uh, sticking with us till the end so big big thank you if you are listening to this and uh, yeah if you want to support the episode give it a thumbs up that helps a lot and uh, if you want to have someone in the show just leave a comment down below with the, the athlete's name and uh, yeah then Achim thanks a lot to you and you can say goodbye and end the episode thanks very much for listening thanks for being there and yeah I don't have nothing else to say <laughs> have a good one bye